WHMP. And welcome. Thank you for joining us on this unseasonably warm day. Hello, Dan. Well, it's happening, Buzz. What's happening is I'm I am thrilled that for the third time we're going to be able to talk to Kim Driscoll about um, uh, the Democratic nominee for the uh, position of lieutenant governor who is running on the ticket with Maura Healy. She is joining us by phone. Hello, Kim. Hey, how are you, Buzz? How's it going there? It's going great, and I'm I'm thrilled the last two times that we spoke when we met, and then when we met a second time, you were a candidate for the Democratic nominations. Congratul- I haven't seen you since then, so congratulations, first of all. Yeah, thanks so much. It feels great to have that first phase over and looking forward to the next 27 days um, uh, as we head to the general election. Um, and it is very exciting for those of us who are progressive and those of us who would like to equal the playing field to think about a ticket of two women for governor and lieutenant governor. It's, it's, a, it's a treat. Well, I'm super excited uh, about the opportunity to be partnered with Maura Healy. She's been, uh, I always like to say, mayors are part of the Get Stuff Done branch of government, and she's certainly an attorney general who's gotten stuff done. So I'm grateful for you know the opportunity to work with her and looking forward to uh, working hard, as I said, these last 27 days. And that's what, I want a little inside story here, Kim, which is, uh, have you actually had a conversation with Maura Healy about how you would work together? And if you have... Can you give us an idea of where Kim's responsibilities would be versus where Moore's responsibilities would be? You know, we've been so focused on campaigning, like literally Tuesday, you know, election night. I was in uh, the Healy campaign headquarters uh, Wednesday morning at 930 and we were off to Worcester. And the next day we were out in uh, New Bedford and Fall River and Plymouth. And the next day we were in Springfield. And so we've just been out on the campaign trail. We haven't had lots of details, but We've worked together before, obviously, in different roles, me as mayor, her as attorney general. We're both college hoop players, so we we really value teamwork. And I've been so welcomed by their team. It's been a really strong collaboration from day one and and hoping, obviously, if we're fortunate to win this thing, that will continue into the state house. That is great. And among the the, the uh, places you've been visiting, it was on my birthday that you were in Springfield, Holyoke, and Chicopee out here our way you were um talking with uh, members of the latinx community uh how did that go and what was the focus of your attention there yeah i mean it was terrific to be talking with uh latino leaders in springfield about the work they're doing on the ground there the ways the state can be supportive in really uplifting and unlocking the potential uh, frankly of our latino business owners and uh, we were at the Latino Economic Council and some of the new space they have where they're doing a lot of technical assistance from financing to how to grow businesses. A big part of the equity imperative is to make sure that, you know, everyone in a community, everyone in a certain workforce, you know, have maximum potential. And um, I'm excited about the work that's happening in Springfield and, frankly, across many parts of Massachusetts to uplift our Latino small businesses and make sure that there's access to, to capital, to workforce training, to um, state and city contract and vendor, you know, opportunities. So it was terrific to be there. I think I read, not today, but some time ago, I think your mom was Miss Trinidad. Do I have that right? 
She was Miss Carnival. She's from Trinidad, born in Grenada, grew up in Trinidad. And of course, like Carnival in Trinidad is a, uh, a very exciting time to be in the, on the island. And, uh, she was Miss Carnival in her youth. And, uh, and she still goes back, uh, to play Carnival. You know, in, she's in her 80s now, but still enjoys getting back to the island for that celebration. Just, just to ride on a float and wave to people? Oh, dancing and uh, carrying on. If you've been to Carnival, it's a wild time. <laughs> I, I've only read about it. I, I wish that I had, but she must be very proud of her daughter. Oh, she's been terrific. Yeah, I think she's uh, she's got the mother of four women, four girls, now young women, uh, and she's raised us to be uh, strong, capable, independent, and um, we're really uh, we're proud of her. So. Well, it sounds like you should be. I, I uh, I think I asked you something like this the second time we talked, but uh, how is it that you can be mayor of Salem, run for lieutenant governor, be a mother of three, and married to a union bricklayer all at the same time? How do you put that together? You know, some days better than others. Um, you know, it is a busy time in Salem right now, October. It's our 40th, you know, uh, what we call haunted happening celebration and so I, I say often, sometimes I manage the city, sometimes the city manages me because there's so much going on in a given day. Um, but I'm, I'm blessed. I've got really a great team here in City Hall and a great team in my house with a, my husband's just super supportive. And um, so far, we're making it work. We took on a kitchen project, Buzz, uh, <laughs> earlier this year in spring. I said, this was just to make sure we're divorce proof. We decided, yeah, let's renovate the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing the same thing, by the way. We're we're uh, trying oh. to get some floors, uh, not not in the kitchen, but we're trying to get our exercise room and my wife's uh, art studio. We're getting some floors uh, uh, redone, and so we spent all I'd say about five days last week painting and and all that sort of stuff. So I know that feeling. Uh, so Kim, I I wanted to. Um, talk about this Globe article that it was above the fold this morning. It's not this afternoon when I just pulled it up and, and took a look at it. There was a piece by Matt Stout, uh, and what he was saying is that Mora is sounding more and more like um, Baker. And he actually, uh, he talks about how Maura Healy described that she would spur more housing if elected governor, and then uh, she talks about Quote, Governor Baker made the right move in his expansion. She then uh, talks about climate change and says, quote, I think the administration has really done a lot in that realm. And when pressed on how she'd address uh, a potential surge in COVID cases, she said she would do just what the Baker-Polito administration has done, all in quotes and what a valued partner he has been. Not to say that it's a bad idea for the attorney general to partner with the governor. It certainly is a good idea. Not that it's a bad idea to reach across the aisle, but Baker has been the focus of a lot of Democrats' frustration, at least that I hear and have read. Um, could, could you talk about, I don't know, first of all, did you read that article? You know, I think I saw it yesterday online. You know, you never oh, know. Maybe it was yesterday. Been, it could have been yeah, yesterday. Yeah, but it, it, it could have been uh, late in the afternoon. And so I've seen a piece of it. You know, I feel like Maura Healy is acting like Maura Healy. She's been a strong attorney general, you know, standing up for, I think, policies that matter to people who live in Massachusetts. And so, you know, I don't think it's a surprise that where there are areas where there's agreement, whether it's around the COVID response and recovery, which I would add to her comments that, you know, someone who is a mayor, um, the Gov and his team was great to work with um, during that period of time. Um, let science and data really lead our efforts. 
And I think that when she says that she would follow those examples, that's what she's speaking to. Um, and, you know, in the areas of housing, it's the number one issue that we hear about everywhere we go, every community, even in places where housing may be more affordable, it's not more affordable to the people living there. So I, I think there are things that um, the Baker Polito administration has worked on that we're going to have to accelerate uh, the pace and continue on. And there are other areas that are going to, you know, challenges that we're going to be confronted with that, that we're going to have to respond to. Um, so, I, you know, I, working on things, uh, continuing the things that are working and accelerating the pace of areas where we know we need to dig deeper as we head to some really tough times. I don't think there's going to be much of a honeymoon uh, come January for whoever gets into office, given this like striking affordability challenges that so many families have. Right. And by the way, I am a Maura Healy fan. I've, I've hugged Maura Healy. I, I've thought the world of her. I voted for Maura Healy. I promoted her right and left. But at the same time, She's been asked several times uh, how her administration would differ from Baker's, and she sort of demurred. And uh, at one point she said, I'll leave those comparisons to others. I know it's difficult to be attorney general and to run, to be mayor and to run for these positions that carry so much responsibility. And it's a people think it's a small state. It's a large state to run for statewide office in. But at the same time, I'd like to hear how it would differ from the Baker administration. Can you illuminate that at all for us? You know, I, I don't think we're running against Charlie Baker. We're running against Jeff Deal. And, you know, we know some of the differences there. Those are the choices that voters have. You know, you're, you're talking about a Republican candidate who's opposed to abortion, who's supported Trump, who's been endorsed by Trump, and frankly wants to bring some of that divisive brand of politics to Massachusetts. So uh, well, I think when we're out on the stump, what we're hearing from people are, you know, some of the challenges ahead, and they are tied to the things we're talking about, housing, child care, transportation, uh, workforce challenges. Like every small business owner in my community is struggling to fill openings at a time when, you know, recovery efforts from COVID um, are at their all-time highest, and yet, you know, you can't fully recover or rebound because we just don't have the workforce staff. And, and so I, I think those are the things that we're going to be working on. I think those are what we've been talking about. We're out campaigning every day. Um, and while I think there will definitely be some differences from the current administration, there's also a fair amount of things that are likely uh, to still be challenges that we're going to have to work on and accelerate and uh, be in a position to help advance from clean energy um, to, you know, the housing choice legislation was a really strong start uh, to address housing needs, but we're going to have to go further. The ARPA dollars, um, and we're certainly talking about some of the tax relief uh, that was proposed and how we get dollars in, in people's pocketbooks, you know, now, sooner rather than later. And one of those things that Maury Hilly has been talking about and which Baker talked about a lot is a dependent, especially the child tax credit. What can you tell us about that plan? I mean, I think there's a strong interest in ensuring that families who are finding affordability challenges, we're already a high housing cost state. We know food and energy costs are rising faster than people can keep pace with it. And if there's an opportunity for a child uh, tax credit, we know that's going to put dollars in pockets sooner. Like there's a sense of urgency around this that it certainly isn't lost on me as the mayor of a gateway city and certainly isn't lost on Mora, who, who has been, you know, pushing for pushing the legislature, frankly, for tax relief and opportunities to make sure we're able to return dollars to people uh, who, who need it now. Hmm. Before, we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, but I have to ask you about this. Just you and I had about probably 20 seconds to talk before we went on the air, 
and I told you that the reason I was I picked up late was because we just heard that there was a, uh, I believe it's nine, is that right, Dan, $965 million judgment against um, uh, one of our least favorite people <laughs> in this studio, Alex Jones, and his company for, uh, uh, that's the aggregate number, including all pain and suffering and compensatory damages for all those families of all those children whose murders he denied and his followers uh, would not believe actually happened. I'd love to hear your thoughts about uh, his campaign um, against these uh, families, these survivors, these secondary survivors of this horrific murder, uh, set of murders, and about this judgment. I mean, it's a staggering number, and in many ways it doesn't feel like enough what uh, was done to these families uh, by by Alex Jones and this Infowars that just kept telling people this was a hoax. These families were harassed. People accused them of being actors. Just the the you know the amount of senseless. I, I don't even understand how you get to a point where you're going to take up this issue and have people believe it's a lie and continue after you knew it's been clear and you know all these all the harm you're doing to continue down that path. Um, you know it's. It's uh, in, in my estimation, like there isn't a number you could put on it that would be too much for um, for compensating people for this kind of behavior, uh, the, the pain and suffering inflicted by just horrific lies that you knew were doing harm to people about the death of their child. You know, it's hmm. awful. It, it's unthinkable. And and the fact that it, the allegations in both trials are that he did it. To, to be able to benefit financially. And he handsomely, unthinkably, millions upon millions somehow he accrued. I don't quite get that either. But, um, and that that was the motivation for creating this, oh, I know it'll sell. How about if I think of this? I can't even go there. I mean, it led to actions too. People who were following him were desecrating graves and, you know, uh, harassing surviving families during, a, you know, the, the worst thing you could ever have happening to you. And you have this, you know, this individual spewing out this sort of hatred and lies. It's, uh, it's really unthink- unthinkable, as you said. So, um, you know, this jury heard everything and landed in a place that did their best to try and compensate people for, you know, these horrific actions. Well, we're going to take a break for a few minutes, but when we break, I'm just going to contemplate what you said, which I think is just too true. It's a tremendous amount of money and probably not enough. We are talking to Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll, the Democratic nominee who's running with Mara Healy on the Democratic ticket to be Lieutenant Governor of Massachusetts. We're going to be back with Kim right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about voting as well as early voting is the way to go. It shows that we trust the voters. They know why they need an early ballot. They know why they need an absentee ballot. It's not up to government to decide if it's a legitimate reason or not. The voters should get to choose. So this, I think, is a huge advance. 1015, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. I am Marco, and I am always been full of life, full of energy, and always on the go. At the age of 21, I was diagnosed with kidney disease. My life was saved by an organ donor. 
Receiving a life-saving organ put my life back into play and I was able to move forward and make my dreams come true. Anyone can sign up to be an organ donor whether you're 16 or 96. Be a hero, be an organ donor. Register today. Register at registerme.org. Sponsored by New England Donor Services. Fall is here, and I have two beers to help you celebrate the season. Hi, I'm Caleb Hiliadis, head brewer of Amherst Brewing. Our pumpkin ale is brewed with a delicious blend of spices, sugar, and real pumpkins. Blumeister Oktoberfest is our traditional German lager with a full and sweet body. Both beers are available at all Hangar Pub and Grill locations on draft and in 16-ounce cans in Amherst. Ask your server for a cinnamon sugar rim on your pint of pumpkin ale. Pumpkin ale cans and draft are also available across the entire state of Massachusetts. Stop in soon for a pint with us and a four pack to go. At American National, what's important to you is important to us. Just like every horse is unique, so is our equine coverage. American National's equine owner's insurance is designed to address the inherent risks involved with owning horses. Flexible enough to provide property and liability coverage for operations of various sizes, yet can be tailored for your specific needs. We're right by your side. For more information, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. Buy a mattress online? There are at least 100 websites that'll ship you a mattress rolled up like a burrito and stuffed in a box. Wait a minute. You and your mattress will spend seven or eight intimate hours together every night for years. Don't you need more than pixels to know what it actually feels like? Maybe you could just lay on the screen and... Hi, it's Robin from Talon Furniture. We mostly sell therapeutic mattresses at Talon. Not Tempur-Pedic, not trying to mislead you. Come to Talon Furniture and lay down on a therapeutic. I'll leave you alone. You can see how you are together. Therapeutic mattresses are clean. No toxic off-gassing. I've been to the factory in Brockton. Yes, they're made by fellow Red Sox fans. You like eating local? Try sleeping local. Talon delivers and sets it up. We don't just drop a big burrito on your doorstep. You won't have to wrestle it through the kitchen or up the stairs. Talon Furniture, a real store, just down the hill from Amherst College. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Salem Mayor uh, Kim Driscoll. And I, I, my intention, I have a, a whole notebook full of questions to ask you, Kim, but um, this Alex Jones things, I, I just want to... Uh, you. You shared some insights with us both on the air and during the break, and uh, I just want to continue talking about that a little bit because it's not unrelated to uh, the Republican who's vying to succeed uh, the Republican uh, Governor Baker uh, deal. And um, uh, he is a, a Trumpster, and um, I think that he's, he's part of that election-denying thing um how do you understand such a large number of people refusing to accept facts and instead allowing their beliefs to uh ratify these crazy conspiracy theories like alex jones's that something uh that actually happened didn't happen how, how do you understand that i mean i think it's hard to uh reckon you know with all of it um you know, I, I do put Alex Jones in a whole different class than Jeff Deal or, or people who don't believe in an election um, uh, and the results of the election, because this was this was a new low with with this individual. 
Um, but, you know, you have where people are getting their news, what they're believing, um, the, the types of people who are spouting off inaccuracies, and then they have followers. This Alex Jones is definitely in a class by himself. Um, but, uh, you are correct in that there are people who, you know, don't believe Joe Biden won the presidency, no matter how much proof you tell them. And I think it's, you know, obviously a, a hangover from President Trump, uh, who, you know, just was able to get compelled people to believe whatever he said, even knowing it was true. Like today is Wednesday. I'm fairly certain today is Wednesday. And yet, you know, there are some folks, I think, who would differ with that if somebody they really believed in said something differently. It's it's a strange dynamic. And you've been in a leadership position for, what, 18 years there in Salem? And uh, you are aspiring to a leader, leadership position for almost 7 million people. There are going to be considerable numbers, broad numbers, maybe not the great percentage of 38% that we have nationally, but of people that just uh, are disbelievers. When you're a leader, how do you, how do you embrace those people, look out for their interests in the same time uh, deplore their worldview. How, how do you make those two things work together? You know, skepticism in governing is not new. And um, I, I think, uh, for, for at least for, for me, it's about being open and transparent. And when you're operating in a, in a style that allows a lot more people in uh, and listening and then coming up with solutions that are based, uh, that are sort of human-centered, you tend to bring more people along who understand and agree. And, you know, I, I think I'm a mayor, I'm a neighbor, I'm a mom, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a lot of different things. I'm not just somebody who um, is a politician. And if you're relatable and bring that perspective and welcome others, I, I, I think it's a little more grounding. And uh, it doesn't mean that you don't have detractors, that's part of it. And uh, But it certainly means that people understand how you're coming at and attacking issues or challenges or working on solutions when you do it in concert with others. Thank you for addressing that. We, we only have a couple of minutes, and in the couple of minutes we have, I want to return to this list that I have. It's all very Western Mass-centric, <laughs> and it is really what I wanted to talk to you about is how uh, listeners to this show, which is the three counties of Hampshire, Hamden, and Franklin County, largely, um, ha- how they could be convinced that a mayor, that a lieutenant governor, excuse me, uh, Driscoll, and a uh, governor, Maura Healy, won't be so focused on the needs of the eastern part of the state that they'll be ignoring us out here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a strong recognition that, you know, we don't want to be uh, a state that has a solution of one size fits all. There are some unique attributes in Western Mass. There are unique attributes between communities, uh, whether you're a suburban environment, a more rural community, uh, an urban, larger, you know, metropolitan community. Needs are going to be different. Changes are going to be different. Uh, we hope to have a strong Western Mass agenda that reflects the needs in that region. And we have a lot of support among local leaders and local stakeholders. We're spending a tremendous amount of time. You, you can't make up being in a place and working with people um, in concert to, to address challenges and needs. And we hope to be in a position to spend considerable both time and energy and partnership uh, to attack challenges in Western Mass. Well, Kim Driscoll, I am so grateful that you joined us today. I know our listeners are too. We only have how many days to the election? 
Who's counting, Buzz? <laughs> I think it's about three and a half weeks, and and uh, we're so grateful that you took time to spend uh, with us here. And uh, we hope after the election that uh, you won't be a stranger, because it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. I look forward to it, Buzz. Thanks for having me on. And um, you know, twenty-seven days to go. We're working hard to earn everyone's vote. And, and appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Most importantly, good luck with your kitchen, and don't get divorced. <laughs> we'll talk soon Halloween in an election in that order okay, okay. <laughs> alright you take care take hey, care well. bye bye sure we are going to be back with Nan Parati she is talking to Richie Richardson of Fab he, we're going to be talking fashion one of my sort of expertises uh, and we're going to be talking about fashion week we'll be back with Nan and Richie these messages this is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Police are asking for the public's help in finding the driver of a white van that allegedly struck and seriously injured a young teen in Hadley on Tuesday morning. The driver of the white van, possibly a 2004 Ford Econoline model, fled the scene after striking the 13-year-old boy, crossing Route 9 at a crosswalk near the Hampshire Juvenile Court. The van has damage to the front right quarter and possibly the passenger side. The boy was brought to Bay State Medical Center in Springfield and remains in critical condition. A West Springfield man is headed to prison after embezzling more than $1.4 million from a business in Chicopee. 70-year-old Gerald Burke was sentenced to 31 months in prison with three years of supervised release. He was also ordered to pay restitution to the victims and the IRS. Burke was employed by a privately owned metal stamping company and was in charge of the company's finances. From 2011 up to his termination in 2018, he embezzled $1.4 million by approving an additional payroll payment to himself and writing checks to himself and his credit card company from the company account. An East Hampton woman is facing jail time for trying to grab a Northampton police officer's gun during a struggle in a city parking lot. 51-year-old Brandy Foreman pleaded not guilty in Northampton District Court yesterday. The incident happened Saturday at Maplewood Shops on Conn Street. Police say Foreman was intoxicated and was combative. She is also charged with disorderly conduct and assaulting two other police officers. Foreman is facing up to 10 years in prison. She'll be back in court on December 8th. Partly sunny this afternoon, a high of 70 to 74. Clouds increase tonight, low 46 to 52. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with showers and rain, mainly in the afternoon, a high of 66 to 70. Heavy rain Thursday night, some scattered showers Friday morning, clearing in the afternoon. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.
Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSP Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSP Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Monitoring your credit score and report is an important tool in protecting your finances and can help you identify errors and prevent fraud. Our GSB Credit Center is just one of the great benefits that comes free with both our free online banking and our free mobile app. And with the GSB mobile app, you can check your score and access your credit report free anytime and from anywhere using your mobile device. And checking your credit report at the GSB Credit Center will not affect your credit score. Sign up today at any of our offices or online. Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfieldsavings.com. Member FDIC. Member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. There are farm fresh eggs just around the corner and beef across town. Local food is all around. It's a connection to your community, to the land and the people. There's a handy guide to the farm fresh food all around you, the local hero guide on the CISA website. You never know how close you are to something good for dinner tonight, something harvested just this morning. CISA's local hero guide, your guide to farm fresh food, on the CISA website, buylocalfood.org. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. So welcome back for those who have been with us uh, as we spoke with the uh, Lieutenant Gover Governor nominee, Kim Driscoll. And we this is the time of the week when we talk about an interesting thing brought to us by Nan Parati. And I just want to start by telling Nan, I was, we were just talking about it during the break, um, this was a big weekend for us because I, for me, it was kind of a depressing weekend. We went through uh, my old, I think I had about, uh, I don't know, eight uh, sport jackets. Uh, probably five of them were winter kind of herringbone warm sport jackets that I used as a lawyer for 45 years. Some blazers, a couple of suits because you can't try the case in the same suit. Uh, I would have if I wasn't married to somebody who cared about such things. <laughs> because I didn't, but uh, we gave them away, and a lot of them were still in good shape. I was happy about that, so um, we are doing Share the Warmth, uh, my overcoat and things like that. I am uh, officially divesting myself of all those years of my uniform, my work uniform, and so I was thinking clothes this weekend, and then Nan said, hey, fashion, <laughs> Let's talk fashion. So what are you bringing to us today, Nan? Today I have, one, and I'm not making this up, one of the most interesting people I've ever met. And this is Richie Richardson of Fab Fashion House. Does I think he know you call him an interesting thing? No, he's my interesting friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Richie, thank you so much for being with us here today. This is so fun. Thank you. Well, thank you, and I'm delighted to be here as well. The reason we were originally inviting you today was because it was the, at the end of this month we were you were going to launch Fab Fashion Week and um that's what we were going to talk about and yet that what tell me this morning you called me and said oh no so what's what's happening now. Yeah, um originally when we spoke when you interviewed me about a month ago mm -hmm. I was in the throes um of producing Fashion Week and Fashion Week is the newest iteration of, of, of a fashion week in New England that we started in 2018, repeated in 19, and 
they took a hiatus because of the pandemic. Um, what happened throughout this process is that sometime in in August, we we got news from our partners at GCC, which is the new home of the high fashion um, aspect of Fashion Week. So Fashion Week is actually over a period of four days. One day is a meet and greet, two days for high fashion, one day for upcycle fashion. And initially when we began, we started with only one day because we needed to launch, we needed to start, we needed to begin. So we put that on the map and we started in Turner's Falls. And the second year, it was also in Turner's Falls at the Discovery Center. But what we realized is that the Discovery Center works really nice, really well. It's intimate in, 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 in several aspects, in several respects. But in terms of fashion, it didn't really work well for the high fashion aspect of it, but it worked well for the upcycle fashion. So we started to reach out to other partners. River, River Culture is, is, is one of our partner sponsors in, in, in everything we do here in Turner's Falls. But we also reached out to um, our state representative, Natalie Blay, and she was uh, a real force. She came on board and she heard our story and she was just totally aligned with what our vision were. And we told her we were looking for a new home. We were looking for a new space that we can actually do the high fashion aspect because that needed to be presented in a certain kind of space that actually elicits a, a, a certain kind of feeling and presentation. It needed to have openness. People needed to be seated in a, in a particular way. And the runway or the catwalk needed to be constructed in a certain manner that will actually give the presentation its real value. And she understood that. She had some conversation with GCC and we started the ball rolling. They were on board. Very exciting people. I love them. And everything was going fine until um, August 10th, I found out in a meeting when we were getting ready to start planning logistics that GCC is actually was celebrating this year, the 60th anniversary, and the day of our, one of the days of our high fashion event, that was one of the days they were going to be um, hosting an event in that same space. Oh, no. So ultimately, yeah. Yeah, ultimately, it, 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 we had to start thinking about shifting. I realized in that moment we couldn't. And so we looked at another date and we decided, let's think about another date in October, which is October 12th. October is very tricky because October is New York Fashion Week and October is also Brooklyn Fashion Week. And one of part of my team is actually the co-founder of Brooklyn Fashion Week. So there's always a conflict. So we never want to go into October period. Plus October, there was a lot of festivals in New England. Right. And, and then there's Halloween. And it's just not a time. You can't compete with all of that. But we felt we had some elements that we can still pull together and make it work. But what happened, in spite of all of my enthusiasm and in spite of the team ready and ready to to pool their resources and make it work what happened when the date was cancelled is that we literally experienced a 100% cancellation from designers and oh, everybody no. who wanted to participate yeah yes whoa yes that's... so we were literally 
try bravely moving ahead, building, rebuilding, and we were able to rebuild to some extent. We got a new cast of designers. We got a new um, cast of designers from the Caribbean, designers from New York. We were working with a group that was coming from Springfield. So the New England segment will be represented. But in, with, within all of that, there's a whole lot of other pieces that still needed to come together. And we realized, I mean, we, we had a sort of cutoff date that we figured if those pieces are not there, we needed to have some finances in as well, as, 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 um, um, together with the designers. But once all of those pieces don't align by a specific timeline, you cannot have a quality show. We were not doing a fashion show. We were actually doing a fashion week, mm-hmm. which is not just a day. We, we stripped it down to a day because we felt we had come so far that we needed to still present something. So last night, we pulled our heads together, looked at the reality, the reality of the picture, and decided it would be best to postpone um, until spring next year. Oh, I see, yeah. Uh, well, th- this, this is Richie Richardson of FAB um, talking about the uh, a tremendous amount of work that went into planning a fashion week that now had to be postponed until some point in the spring, which Nan just learned this morning. About this morning. <laughs> but um, yeah. so let's take this opportunity to treat this as uh, an interesting thing and an educational moment because um, I don't even understand what high fashion is because I'm such a slob, Richie Richardson. <laughs> so, what is this about influencing fashion? For others, is it about displaying what others have already done, the influences they've already adopted? What is high fashion and what's fashion week? And why Turner's Falls? Ah, <laughs> so I'm going to answer the first, the first one first, high fashion. So high fashion is actually designer clothing where we create. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a high fashion designer. I'm an original designer. I create original clothing and I in my clothing goes in different directions, which means that every season, every fashion season, I go in a different direction based on what I'm being inspired by, what are influencing me. That is high fashion. What was the other question you asked? Well, I, well, who influences you? Well, the turn is false thing. I think you already did explain how, no, how that happened, or maybe you didn't. No, no not, not here. He hasn't. Yeah. I, I haven't yet. Go but ahead. Dan asked that. I think, I think the other thing you ask, why New England and why Turner's Falls? So high fashion, the reason we thought about bringing high fashion here, for me, it was simple because when you think about clothing, let's not use the word high fashion. Let's use the word clothing. When you think about clothing, every single human being wear that. Every single person. Every single, that's the one thing we all have in common. So regardless of your race, your religion, your politics, we have so much in common because we all do that. But the other thing about that aspect in terms of fashion, hip people are everywhere. And this is something we know, those of us who live in this, in this, in this world, in this creative world, we know that hip people are everywhere. And there are stories of, of design entities that have actually gone into places that people would never think of going and they have thrived. We wanted to come here for several reasons. We thought that we can bring 
a new spirit of creativity. We can add that to what exists in the community. We also wanted to bring some diversity in terms of not just bringing our melanin, but also bringing new people into fashion, into the fashion space, and showing the diversity that exists in fashion. Because one of the things you may not be aware of, Dan, but you may have seen fashion magazines, but there seems to be a proliferation of white faces. That is what fashion promotes. That is not a reality. It is, not even, it is far from the truth because the majority of people who are actually employed in fashion are ethnic people from every region of the world. But if you look at the platform and you look at the major shows and you look at the magazines and you look at everything you see on television, you see a dominance of white faces. And what we, because I come from a region where that is not even a reality and it is not the truth. I understand the dynamics of showing people. You want people to see themselves represented. And in telling that story, you get a greater representation of people. So long story, that's the reason for doing fashion here. That's the reason for doing fashion in, in Turner's Falls as well. I love that. Talk about a little bit about, we have only about two minutes and we're going to go to a, a break, but talk a bit about your your childhood. You grew up in Trinidad and Tobago, which is very, very far away from Turner's Falls. Talk <laughs> about that. And you're, you know, we, like I said, we may have to break for a minute, but uh, what brought you into the fashion world from, from that world? Oh, I grew up in a family that, I come from a creative family. My family business was, was graphic arts, sign painting, screen printing, fine arts, graphic designing. That's my training. That's my background. Fashion was very easy for me because on my mother's side of the family, they're all fashionistas. These people dressed a lot. And I learned tailoring because I, in my, in my culture, in Caribbean culture and, and, and many Latin American cultures and African cultures, a tailor is literally a king because you can dress yourself. And so everybody sort of like compete Literally, you go to a wedding in Trinidad, you, you, if you are the bride and the groom, you better come correct. <laughs> because I am telling you, everybody in that audience is coming to display themselves as though they are the, the, the prominence. So I come from that kind of culture. Plus, I was also trained in masquerade culture. I'm also a masquerade carnival designer. So that is also very, very common in Trinidad designers. In particular, most of us go between art, fashion, and masquerade. So for me, operating in those places is a very natural thing. Coming to America wasn't so much about coming to America. It was more about coming to New York because... To many of us from different parts of the world, New York literally represents America because of its globalism, its, its, its cultural, um, what it feeds, what it allows, how it invites, how it allows everyone to put their pieces in, how it, and it gives you something back in return. But it also allows for many different cultures to just come and be a part of and set yourself in get yourself grounded, and grow from there. That's a great so, insight, you, Richie Richardson of Fab. I, I don't, uh, it's interesting that you come from uh, um, uh, Tobago because, t I, did you say Trinidad? And it's Trinidad and Tobago, you're quite correct. Because we just had Mayor uh, Kim Driscoll of Salem. She is on the Democratic ticket with our uh, Attorney General, Maura Healy. She is going to be running for Lieutenant Governor Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Her mother, Joy, 
was a former Miss Trinidad, and she was Miss Mardi Gras there <laughs> in, I think, in Trinidad and Tobago. I'm not quite sure where, but she just told us about that last half hour. So this is the Trinidad. Very and, interesting. Yeah. So that's. And what I bet she looked very good, very fashionable. I bet she looked much better than I do at the moment. We are going to take a break. We're talking to Richie Richardson of Fab. We're going to talk more about fashion right after this. Stay with us. The Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. We are the Goon Squad and we're coming to town. Beep, beep. Have you decided how to vote on ballot question two? It's a question where voters will decide the cost and benefits of dental insurance in Massachusetts. Joining us will be Dr. Marty Wall founder of Wall Family Dentistry in Northampton and immediate past chair of the Valley District Dental Society. Dr. Wall will be our guest Thursday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees, for true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here, with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. A Western Mass, it's sports season again in New England. Favorite sports like football, hockey, and basketball. Yep, sports season is here, and it's not just about the pros. There's Pop Warner, travel basketball, and peewee hockey, plus all the high school and college teams getting back on the field, court, or ice. Yet, despite all the protective gear that athletes use, well, injuries happen. And in Western Mass, the bona fide experts in hands and wrists, hips and knees, shoulders, feet and ankles, ACLs, and the spine are the doctors and their teams at New England Orthopedic Surgeons. New England Orthopedic Surgeons are the only subspecialized comprehensive orthopedic surgical practice in Western Mass, with locations in Northampton, East Longmeadow, Ludlow, and Springfield, plus an urgent care walk-in center. So if you're looking for the best orthopedic care in Western Mass, go online to neortho.com and make an appointment online, or give them a call. When it comes to orthopedic care, you want the bona fide experts. That's neortho.com. Retailers are worried you aren't going to spend as much money this holiday season, so they're rolling out their deals in October. Walmart has doubled down on its promotions, offering a holiday rollback sale through October 13th. Target and Amazon also held sales this week. If you want to protect your pet against ticks and fleas, the veterinarians we consulted suggest avoiding over-the-counter products, which can contain toxic chemicals. Veterinary technician Amber LaRock says flea and tick products purchased by prescription are considerably safer. With the arrival of cold weather, the Federal Trade Commission is warning consumers to remain vigilant against utility scams. They can take many different forms, but in the most common scheme, the bad guys pretend to be the utility company and threaten to cut off the utility for non-payment. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Grab your coat and get your hat. 
And we are back with Nan Parati. We're back with Richie Richardson talking of Fab talking fashion. And Nan, what uh, what Richie just said to me was so insightful about my recycling clothes that I wore all those years. We got in a conversation during the break while y'all weren't listening, but we were. And um, so, and, and Richie, you said something to Buzz about the, you know, he talked about how he had had to donate all of his beloved clothing, and you yeah. told him something that was pretty great. What was that? Yeah, I told him that actually what he's doing is actually contributing to what is what has become the upcycling movement because designers are now taking that, that those clothing that are being given to upcycle places and, and different, um, uh, what do you call them, uh, donation places, and turning them into beautiful wearable art. And what they will do, they will add something to it. They, so they will take your jacket, Buzz, and they will add an adornment, add an applet, but they will, they will when it is finished, it will, would look like something really new and really cool. So that's another way of giving life to, to fashion. And that's part, that's a strong part of the sustainable fashion movement. But the other thing you also did when you mentioned that you remained with one, it reminded me of a Chinese philosophy that said, if you have 100 pairs of suit and you only wear one, you actually only have one. The rest, the rest will be eaten by Weeble, which is a fact. <laughs> so instead of being instead of it wasting you see you did something that was so tremendously on point instead of it wasting whoever was your influence and i think that was your wife to give it away that was on point because what you did is instead of having it wasted because if it's in your closet it's eventually going to be eaten if it never gets worn that's the funny <laughs> thing about clothing is a living thing that's richie i need to have you around to second get to, to explain what i've just done because i love the way you put a twist on my stuff <laughs> <laughs> um you know one thing that you and i were talking about when we first met you said that um like one out of every four people i can't remember now what the statistics were but how many people work in the fashion industry which i said oh that's crazy because i'm thinking only of people in the fashion what i think of in the fashion industry designers maybe but explain what you had said about that because that was really fascinating that how many people work in the fashion industry what are you talking about with that yes so the, the weight is generally counted by this what they call them economists statistician whatever they call them today mm -hmm. they look at the they look at the, the, the traditional industries, manufacturing, retail, you know, um, that sort of thing. But when you look at fashion in a global perspective and you look at it through the lens of what is now being seen as the people who act, of all the actors who participate, you realize that literally one in four person actually works in fashion. Fashion actually probably employs more people in terms of an industry than any other industry. So you're thinking about, we talked about uh, recycle, upcycle fashion and natural, and natural fabrics that are coming into fashion. They're an entire um, regions now, especially in Latin America and Africa and those places where they're experimenting with different kinds of, 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 of um, trees and plants that are now becoming, that are being turned into fiber, that are being turned into material, that are being turned into fabric. You're talking about people who actually, um, agriculture that, that is produced for dyes. You're also talking about people who actually employ who work in fashion, who actually um, raise cows and lambs and all of these different things that, that from, the, from your leather to your, uh, what is that thing? What is that thing that covers the sheep again? Wool. Wool. 
Right. So you think about all of these parts. When you add it together, you see the impact and you realize why the fashion industry is so relevant. Because of all the, all the industries, you have one industry literally that employs one in four. And there's another reason for that. Because when you think about fashion, so when people tell me, oh, well, I am not a fashion person and I don't, but you go to the store and you buy clothing, you ba- it's based on your choice, that's your style. But you actually engage in fashion probably more, than, more times than any other thing in your regular life. When you're going to work, you're dressing in a particular way, you're going out, that's your, that's your workwear. When you're doing leisure, running, jogging, going to the gym, that's a particular kind of wear. When you are going to the beach, that's a different kind of wear. When you're going to bed, that is the wear. You actually are engaging in fashion about four times a day, more than any other normal activity in your life. (laughs) So everybody, every single human being is so much connected by fashion that you normally think about, oh, what's the high fashion thing and we are not. But yes, you are very much part of it. I love that so much because you are the one who made me understand it about my life. <laughs> you really are. And unfortunately, we're out of time already. Oh, I hate that part. But we well, will all be looking... That's when you're having fun. Yes, I know. See, we, this is what we do. We'll, we'll all be looking forward to the spring when we can go see what you do in real life. This will be great fun. And I'm looking at Wonderful. Dan... I'm looking at Dan Torres, our producer, who is... Uh, he, he's always... This is a fairly political show, so we work in the faction industry <laughs> and dan i'm looking at dan's uh wrsi whmp sweatshirt which he's wearing mm-hmm. what do you say about that richie well no but that's a statement shirt so there's an entire line of fashion again that's where that that's 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 uh, what we call artwear that's powerful because it makes statements about things. So there you it gives go, Dan. Us an opportunity as well. Good to, statement, to, Dan. To Richie Richardson, thank you so much. Nan, thank you for bringing Richie. This was really fun yeah. and interesting. I'm sorry it got canceled. I look forward to your spring fashion week. Richie Richardson of Fab, thanks so much. Everybody else, thanks for joining us. Think, ab- think about well. what you dress those four times tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.